Welcome to the very first podcast of Classic Tales Revisited. And we're kicking off the show with a special Christmas podcast, A Crafty Lion Christmas. Here, we'll be introducing you to our actors, who will be reading from well-known poets and storytellers. So let's kick off. First up, Twas the Night Before Christmas, by Clement Seymour. Read by Paul Danger McLean. was the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When, what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew, with a sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof, the prancing and pouring of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, Down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot. His clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. The bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. 
He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. And I heard him explain ere he drove out of sight. Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Along by Merry Christmas Time by Henry Lawson, read by John Martin. Along by merry Christmas time, they buy the aged goose, and boil the dreaded plum pudding because of ancient use. But to sneer at old-time customs would be nothing but a crime, for the memory of the past is all bound up in Christmas time. Then Jim comes home from shearing and he puts a few away, with Dad perhaps or Uncle, but they're right on Christmas Day, for be it on the never nor neath the church bells chime, the family gets together if they can at Christmas time, and after tea at Christmas they clear the things away and play the dear old silly games our grandfolk used to play. And Dad gives a recitation that used to be the joy of all the western countryside when Father was a boy. Along by merry Christmas time and ere the week is o'er, we meet and fix up quarrels that each was sorry for. Our hearts are filled with kindness and forgiveness sublime. For no one knows where one may be next Merry Christmas time. A Christmas Greeting from a Fairy to a Child by Lewis Carroll Read by Deirdre Quinn Lady dear, if fairies may for a moment lay aside cunning tricks and elfish play, tis at happy Christmas tide. We have heard the children say, gentle children, whom we love, long ago, on Christmas Day, came a message from above. Still, as Christmas tide comes round, they remember it again, echoes still the joyful sound, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yet the hearts must childlike be, where such heavenly guests abide, unto children in their glee, all the year is Christmas tide. Thus forgetting tricks and play for a moment, lady dear, we would wish you, if we may, Merry Christmas, Glad New Year. The Elves and the Shoemaker by the Brothers Grimm Read by Damien Reek. There was once a shoemaker who worked very hard and was very honest, but he still could not earn enough to live upon, and at last all he had in the world was gone, save just leather enough to make one pair of shoes. Then he cut his leather out, all ready to make up the next day, meaning to rise early in the morning to his work. His conscience was clear and his heart light amidst all his troubles, so he went peaceably to bed, left all his cares to heaven, and soon fell asleep. In the morning, after he had said his prayers, he sat himself down to his work, when, to his great wonder, there stood the shoes already made, upon the table. The good man knew not what to say or think at such an odd thing happening. He looked at the workmanship. There was not one false stitch in the whole job. All was so neat and true that it was quite a masterpiece. The same day a customer came in and the shoes suited him so well that he willingly paid a price higher than usual for them, and the poor shoemaker, with the money, bought leather enough to make two pairs more. 
In the evening he cut out the work, and went to bed early, that he might get up and begin betimes next day. But he was saved all the trouble, for when he got up in the morning, the work was done ready to his hand. Soon in came buyers, who paid him handsomely for his goods, so that he bought leather enough for four pair more. He cut out the work again overnight, and found it done in the morning, as before. And so it went on for some time. What was got ready in the evening was always done by daybreak, and the good man soon became thriving and well off again. One evening, about Christmas time, as he and his wife were sitting over the fire chatting together, he said to her, I should like to sit up and watch tonight, that we may see who it is that comes and does my work for me. The wife liked the thought, so they left a light burning, and hid themselves in a corner of the room, behind a curtain that was hung up there, and watched what would happen. As soon as it was midnight, there came in two little naked dwarfs, and they sat themselves upon the shoemaker's bench, took up all the work that was cut out, and began to ply with their little fingers, stitching and wrapping and tapping away at such a rate that the shoemaker was all wonder, and could not take his eyes off them. And on they went, till the job was quite done, and the shoes stood ready for use upon the table. This was long before daybreak, and then they busted away as quick as lightning. The next day the wife said to the shoemaker, These little whites have made us rich, and we ought to be thankful to them, and do them a good turn if we can. I'm quite sorry to see them run about as they do, and indeed it is not very decent, for they have nothing upon their backs to keep off the cold. I'll tell you what, I will make each of them a shirt, and a coat and waistcoat, and a pair of pantaloons into the bargain, and do you make each of them a little pair of shoes. The thought pleased the good cobbler very much, and one evening, when all the things were ready, they laid them on the table, instead of the work that they used to cut out, and then went and hid themselves, to watch what the little elves would do. About midnight in they came, dancing and skipping, hopped around the room, and then went to sit down to their work as usual. But when they saw the clothes lying for them, they laughed and chuckled, and seemed mightily delighted. <laughs> then they dressed themselves in a twinkling of an eye, and danced and capered and sprang about, as merry as could be, till at last they danced out at the door, and away over the green. The good couple saw them no more, but everything went well with them from that time forward, as long as they lived. An Aussie Night Before Christmas, by an unknown poet, read by Paul Danger McLean. T'was the night before Christmas, and there wasn't a sound. Not a possum was stirring. No one was around. We'd left on the table some tucker and beer, hoping that Santa Claus soon would be here. We children were snuggled up safe in our beds, while dreams of pavlova danced round in our heads. And Mum in her nighty and Dad in his shorts had just settled down to watch TV sports. When outside the house a mad ruckus arose, loud squeaking and banging woke us from our doze. We ran to the screen door, peeked cautiously out, snuck onto the deck, then let out a shout. Guess what had woken us up from our snooze? <laughs> but a rusty old ute pulled by eight mighty roos. The cheerful man driving was giggling with glee. We both knew at once who this plump bloke must be. 
Now I'm telling the truth, it's all dinky dye. Those eight kangaroos fairly soared through the sky. Santa leaned out the window to pull at the reins and encouraged the ruse by calling their names. Now Kylie, now Kirsty, now Shazza, now Shane. On Kipper, on Skipper, on Bazza and Wayne. Park up on that water tank, grab a quick drink. I'll scoot down the gum tree, be back in a wink. So up to the tank, those eight kangaroos flew, with the ute full of toys, and Santa Claus too. He slid down the gum tree and jumped to the ground. Then in through the window, he sprang with a bound. He had bright sunburned cheeks and a milky white beard. A jolly old joker was how he appeared. He wore red stubby shorts and old thongs on his feet and it had a deep crimson as shade from the heat. His eyes bright as opal, oh how they twinkled. And like a goanna, his skin was quite wrinkled. His shirt was stretched over a round bulging belly, which shook when he moved, like a plate full of jelly. A fat stack of prezzies he flung from his back, and he looked like a swaggy unfastening his pack. He spoke not a word, but bent down on one knee, to position our goodies beneath the yule tree. Surfboard and footy ball shapes for us too, and for dad tongs to use on the new barbecue. A mysterious package he left for our mum, and then he turned and he winked and he held up his thumb. He strolled out on the deck and his ruse came on cue, flung his sack in the back and prepared to shoot through. He bellowed out loud as they swooped past the gates, Merry Christmas to all! And good on you, mates. Christmas Carol by Sarah Teasdale Read by Kerry-Ann James The kings they came from out the south, all dressed in ermine fine. They bore him gold and chrysoprase and gifts of precious wine. The shepherds came from out the north, their coats were brown and old. They brought him little newborn lambs, they had not any gold. The wise men came from out the east, and they were wrapped in white. The star that led them all the way did glorify the night. The angels came from heaven high, and they were clad with wings. And lo, they brought a joyful song, the host of heaven sings. The kings they knocked upon the door, the wise men entered in. The shepherds followed after them to hear the song begin. The angels sang through all the night until the rising sun. But little Jesus fell asleep before the song was done. Winter Time by Robert Louis Stevenson Read by Deirdre Quinn Late lies the wintry sun abed, a frosty, fiery, sleepy head. Blinks but an hour or two, and then a blood-red orange sets again. Before the stars have left the skies, at morning in the dark I rise, and shivering in my nakedness by the cold candle bathe and dress. Close by the jolly fire I sit, 
to warm my frozen bones a bit. Or with a reindeer sleigh, explore the colder countries round the door. When to go out, my nurse doth wrap me in my comforter and cap. The cold wind burns my face and blows its frosty pepper up my nose. Black are my steps on silver sod, thick blows my frosty breath abroad. And tree and house and hill and lake are frosted like a wedding cake. Christmas Bells by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Read by John Martin I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play And wild and sweet the words repeat Of peace on earth, good will to men and thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. It was the night after Christmas by Clement Seymour. Read by Paul Danger McLean. "'Twas the night after Christmas, and all through the house, "'not a creature was stirring, excepting a mouse. "'The stockings were flung in haste over the chair, "'for hopes of St. Nicholas were no longer there. "'The children were restlessly tossing in bed, "'for the pie and the candy were as heavy as lead. "'While Mama in her kerchief and I in my gown had just made up our minds that we would not lie down. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprung from my chair to see what was the matter. Away to the window I went with a dash and flung open the shutter and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the newly fallen snow gave the luster of noonday to the objects below. When what to my long anxious eyes should appear but a horse and a sleigh, both old-fashioned and queer. With a little old driver so solemn and slow, 
I knew at a glance it must be Dr. Bro. I drew in my head and was turning around when upstairs came the doctor with scarcely a sound. He wore a thick overcoat made long ago and the beard on his chin was white with the snow. He spoke a few words and went straight to his work. He felt all the pulses, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose, with a nod of his head, to the chimney he goes. A spoonful of oil, ma'am, if you'll have it handy. No nuts and no raisins, no pies and no candy. These tender young stomachs cannot well digest all the sweets that they get. Toys and books are the best. But I know my advice will not find many friends, for the custom of Christmas the other way trends. The fathers and mothers and Santa Claus too are exceedingly blind. Well, good night to you. And I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight. These feasting and candies make doctor's bills right. And finally, The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen, read by Annette McLean. It was so terribly cold. Snow was falling and it was almost dark. Evening came on, the last evening of the year. In the cold and gloom, a poor little girl bareheaded and barefoot, was walking through the streets. Of course, when she had left her house, she'd had slippers on, but what good had they been? They were very big slippers, way too big for her, for they belonged to her mother. The little girl had lost them running across the road, where two carriages had rattled by terribly fast. One slipper she'd not been able to find again and a boy had run off with the other, saying he could use it very well as a cradle some day when he had children of his own. And so the little girl walked on her naked feet, which were quite red and blue from the cold. In an old apron she carried several packages of matches, and she had held a box of them in her hand. No one had bought any from her all day long, and no one had given her a cent. Shivering with cold and hunger, she crept along, a picture of misery, poor little girl. The snowflakes fell on her long fair hair which hung in pretty curls over her neck. In all the windows lights were shining and there was a wonderful smell of roast goose for it was New Year's Eve. Yes, she thought of that. In a corner formed by two houses, one of which projected farther out into the street than the other, she sat down and drew up her little feet under her. She was getting colder and colder, but did not dare to go home, for she had sold no matches, nor earned a single cent, and her father would surely beat her. Besides, it was cold at home, for they had nothing over them but a roof, through which the wind whistled, even though the biggest cracks had been stuffed with straw and rags. Her hands were almost dead with cold. Oh, how much one little match might warm her. If she could only take one from the box and rub it against the wall and warm her hands. She drew one out. How it sputtered and burned. It made a warm, bright flame. Like a little candle, as she held her hands over it. But it gave a strange light. 
It really seemed to the little girl as if she was sitting before a great iron stove with shining brass knobs and a brass cover. How wonderfully the fire burned. How comfortable it was. The youngster stretched out her feet to warm them too. Then the little flame went out. The stove vanished and she only had the remains of the burnt match in her hand. She struck another match against the wall. It burned brightly, and when the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent like a thin veil, and she could see through it into a room. On the table, a snow-white cloth was spread, and on it stood a shining dinner service. The roast goose steamed gloriously, stuffed with apples and prunes. And what was still better, the goose jumped down from the dish and waddled along the floor with a knife and fork in its breast right over to the little girl. Then the match went out, and she could see only a thick, cold wall. She lighted another match. Then she was sitting under the most beautiful Christmas tree. It was much larger and much more beautiful than the one she had seen last Christmas through the glass door at the rich merchant's home. Thousands of candles burned on the green branches and coloured pictures like those in the print shops looked down at her. The little girl reached both her hands towards them. Then the match went out. But the Christmas lights mounted higher. She saw them now as bright stars in the sky. One of them fell down forming a long line of fire. Now someone is dying, thought the little girl. For her old grandmother, the only person who had loved her and who was now dead, had told her that when a star fell down, a soul went up to God. She rubbed another match against the wall. It became bright again, and in the glow, the old grandmother stood clear and shining, kind and lovely. Grandmother, cried the child, oh, take me with you. I know you will disappear when the match is burnt out. You will vanish like a warm stove, the wonderful rose goose and the big beautiful Christmas tree. And she quickly struck the whole bundle of matches, for she wished to keep her grandmother with her. And the matches burned with such a glow that it became brighter than daylight. Grandmother had never been so grand and beautiful. She took the little girl in her arms and both of them flew into the brightness and joy above the earth. Very, very high, and up there was neither cold, nor hunger, nor fear. They were with God. But in the corner, leaning against the wall, sat the little girl with red cheeks and a smiling mouth, frozen to death on the last evening of the old year. The New Year's sun rose upon the little pathetic figure. The child sat there, stiff and cold, holding the matches of which one bundle was almost burnt. She wanted to warm herself, people said. No one imagined what beautiful things she had seen and how happily she had gone with her old grandmother into the bright new year. We hope you enjoy our recordings of Selected Christmas Tales. We would like to wish all of you a safe and Merry Christmas and good tidings for the new year. Sound designed by Caitlin McLean, with music by both Paul Danger McLean and Caitlin McLean. Copyright Crafty Lion Productions, 2020.